0: Hi everyone! Welcome to the Leaders in Supply Chain Podcast. My name is Fei Yu. I'm the Managing Director Europe at Alco Global. Today we have the pleasure to welcome Federico Marchesi. Hi everyone. Federico is the head of supply chain for Higher Europe. He brings 10 years experience across various supply chain functions in multiple industries including consumer electronics, automotive, and retail. He has an engineering background with a big passion for solving complex challenges. He has a genuine love for everything around supply chain. So we're gonna learn a lot from his love. Federico, great to have you here with us.
1: (laughs) It's nice to be here.
0: Please uh, tell us about you. You have a lot to share. What are your current responsibilities? At Higher, how did you make a fast career track to be where you are today?
1: Yeah. So I'm the, I would say, European head of uh, supply chain planning and excellence for uh, Higher Europe. I recently joined the company just a couple of months ago, coming from another industry, coming from automotive. Yeah. I, I spent, I would say, a long chunk of my career around 10 years working in different roles in supply chain, um, in different industries consumer electronics, automotive. I did some work in retail. Back in my career, I work again in consumer electronics in different roles, distribution roles, logistic, planning, optimization, different area within the supply chain. It's quite interesting how I came here. I mean, I graduated a few years ago in uh, in engineering, actually in a system control. So I was one of these nerds that loves you know coding and programming and everything. And when I joined the job market, I was so sure I wanted to be an uh, engineer developing things. And after the first work experience, I realized that um, the work in the lab was a bit boring. And I found that it was more satisfying to work in another area of the business where you deal with uh, different factors, people, planning, numbers, decision, process, et cetera. And I entered the supply chain and everything got from there. I mean. I guess I was quite lucky as well. I got very good leaders that helped me to improve as a person, as a manager, as a leader that transmitted this passion for the work that I do. And uh, and somehow that went through my career.
0: Fantastic. So you mentioned that, so the mentoring right Uh, find a a good mentor is important and then finding your passion is important for uh, a great supply chain career and of course supply chain is uh, always evolving a lot of challenges and since you love challenges and (laughs) solving complex challenges i think supply chain challenges are one of the most very complex one for you so it's never boring right
1: no no not every day is the same and I would say probably the last few years became even more interesting. That's a bit probably our job every day. I mean, you wake up, you get a new challenge, you need to deal with complex problems, balancing different options, balancing different decisions, balancing different factors, dealing with the human factor. I mean, objectives, different requirements, different way of seeing things. And at the end of the day, you're really the one that is putting everything together and trying to drive the company in what is the best possible alternative.
0: So having the quality of resilience and, and flexible is it's very important uh, to be a supply chain leader.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, resilience is something, I mean, it's kind of a buzzword that after the probably the pandemic came up more and more often. In reality, what I learned or how I like to describe my job is we need to be resilient people, meaning that generally speaking, no one knows what we do until some problem erupt, until we need to deal with some stressful situation so being resilient being able to perform and work under stress um is part of the dna of people who work in supply chain and definitely became even more important in the last few years with all the crises we had to go through
0: yeah we're going to talk about that today the yeah. new normal right so very great to hear that you work in different industries, including retail, automotive and now with consumer electronics. These sectors are highly sensitive to supply chain disruptions. and I'm sure you you've gone through a lot of disruptions. Uh, share with us what you experienced uh, in the last few years. Um, how has the pandemic affected the supply chain in your business and what are some of the key challenges your business business uh, have faced? as a result.
1: Yeah, I mean, let's start with the obvious. I mean, it was February 2020. The world started to, you know, understand what is a pandemic. It's um once in a every 100-year event. And I guess no one was alive or no one alive now remembers from the last big pandemic that had such a global effect. And that was the first challenge that I went through. I mean, how operating in a retail industry, um, how we could have the company surviving. I was in a position where I had to make sure that we were very conscious with our cash flow. We put everything in place to have our people operating in the shop safely, build a supply chain for personal protective equipment. And that was something we're not used to have. So that was probably one of the big disruption, real big disruption I went through in my career, completely, I would say, unexpected. And it came with some very interesting learning, I would say. First of all, how everything is connected. I mean, I started to experience disruption in my business um, due to, the first issue of COVID within China it was impacting my supply. My business in Europe, North America was still running very well, very strong, but was lacking, struggling to get products. So that was the really beginning. And just a few weeks after, the whole thing turned around. I mean, I had to close down the business in Europe, in North America, whereas the other part of the world was somehow starting to develop and, and run again. Um, so it was very interesting to see how everything connected. And that was probably, I would say, the, what they call the beginning of the new normal. Uh, the two years after were very interesting. I mean, I went through several crises with uh, effect that tends to be difficult to predict. I, I guess no one would have been able to predict the huge container crisis that the, I would say, the world went through in, uh, I would say, from the end of 2020 until probably, I would say, 2024, 2022. So it was a uh, two years with uh, hectic container price. Challenges in finding container space, a disruption in the flow uh, and the flow goes from the far east to Europe um this is probably I would say another interesting effect of the pandemic. I mean the rebound was faster than everyone expected. The challenge of the global supply chain in terms of resilience came clear to everyone. I mean we were not able to you know cope with this uh, quick rebound as fast as the market demand. Um, also, some of the behavior of uh, consumers. I mean, consumers staying at home, changing their consuming habits. Somehow, put more gas on an already an existing fire. This definitely impacted my business, my life for a couple of years. I went to, you know, having weekly meeting with sea uh, freight companies to try to secure capacity, uh, building system to track um, where the material was, to predict when the material would arrive. To take constant decision about what's the best way to ship. Should I put something on an air freight, avoid a line, stop it? Uh, or should I kind of wait and see what's happening? Am I going to get the product in time? And uh, yeah, that was that was an interesting, I would say, two years. Um, now, to make everything more complex, last year, we went through an probably unprecedented and we're still through an unprecedented amount of uh, pain and death. Uh, with the war between Russia and Ukraine. Unfortunately, another stress on already challenging supply chain. It's something that somehow also came a bit unexpected. Probably there are people who were able to, you know, look carefully what was going on, but I guess the vast majority of uh, professionals did not really expect a war to erupt um, in such an unexpected, I would say, timeline. And that came with the most unexpected result. To be honest, I remember last, end of February, risking to stop production in, uh, for a big tire one automotive supplier simply because I was not able to procure steel. The price of nickel went skyrocketing for a couple of days, probably because of speculation, general a scale in the market, whatever it was the reason. But at the end of the day, I had a supplier that was telling me, you know what, I cannot sell now because I don't know how to price the product. I might have the product, but I don't know how to price it. Um, I need to, the price to be adjusted. I need the new contract to kick in. I was really in this kind of weird setup where the material was scarce and people who had it were not willing to sell it because of further speculation. So that was really another interesting learning on how everything is connected, how sometimes the effect of disruption might be difficult to predict and might force us to be on one side more resilient, but on the other side, we need to be more agile in taking decision and and react to what's happening because it's very difficult to plan everything in advance.
0: Yeah, sounds uh, extremely challenging. And that's why many supply chain professionals were really exhausted in the last few years. But then what doesn't kill us, I make us stronger. So (laughs) we look look forward for the new normal. How has your business adapted to the new normal um, after Mm -hmm. the pandemic? What are the key strategists and technologists
1: do you use? So I would say, I I guess all business have adapted. The new normal is lasting quite a long time now. Um, We're talking about probably between two and three years. So I guess every business, therefore, their own supply chain, their own supply chain team, skills, capabilities, processes. In my experience and in my current business, I would say probably the first point is, what you were mentioning as, as also first point is people talent. Definitely, we learned that we need to cope with more exhaustion. exhaustion. Um, the workload is stressful. Um, so I guess a lot of people left the workforce in supply chain to move to other functions. Um, a lot of other people probably joined and wave a new hire, wave of probably a bit of hype that is behind the supply chain. So I guess there's been a change in the workforce people more used and more probably that have more in their DNA, this kind of stressful environment, and then can somehow find a genuine passion for for the the kind of work that we that we do. Um, a lot of companies, including mine, have been investing heavily in suppliing teams in terms of skills, in terms of capability, capability and skill, um sometimes in terms of also size of teams. Um, Just to make a couple of examples, we are investing heavily in uh, enforcing or enlarging the the planning team to be able to better control and planning. in advance. We're investing heavily in uh, um, new process and system to manage supply chain. Uh, And this actually leads me to to the technology part. What is becoming more and more relevant is to have definitely a more kind of live, uh, real-time tracking of uh, product of uh, components across the chain. I would say a few years ago, there were a lot of use cases. There was a lot of hype. There was a lot of, I would say, promising technology. I would not say that they were really successful yet in the marketplace. Um, in some niche, definitely, very high value products where you had some special requirements for safety, security, et cetera. But I would say there was not a general use case for tracking solution. This is becoming... I would say part of the new normal um we are investing heavily in uh, in tracking our product co- across the globe um as a company we have roughly four to five thousand containers in any even time across the sea and we would like to know where they are who is holding them which point of the where they are when do we expect them to to arrive in port so that we can uh, we can plan accordingly uh, and this is actually we' technology get uh, meshed together. Uh, tracking is one point, but at the end of the day, what we're really interested is knowing when we can get the product. And this is where there is a lot of development in terms of technology for when it comes to artificial intelligence, predictive models, etc., The amount of data is huge. Um, the need for information out of this huge amount of data is driving a lot of this, uh, this development.
0: I'm very happy to hear that you mentioned securing talent first, right? Yeah. A head strategy and and technologies. That's actually a thing that many uh, chief supply chain offices are stressing the importance of people, and that I'm sure that is part of the train, right, and development. That's what we like to talk about that because that that's one of the questions our audience want to ask. What what are some of the key train right? and development? you have observed after the pandemic that is shaping the future supply chain and and how do you position your business to take advantage uh, of this trend?
1: I, I would say one of the biggest trends I've seen during the pandemic and even nowadays is a different approach to inventory. I mean, whomever is covering this kind of job has been always very cautious about the way we look at inventory, the way we tie up cash in our operation i don't want to hide that for several years the whole industry when you look at manufacturing automotive was working with this concept of just in time uh, zero inventory target etc it changed during the pandemic i think we all became more aware that inventory somehow is, is an asset it's a buffer it's a way to buy time when things go sped um so there is one of the trends has been a different approach. More cautious in having not zero inventory, but just the right amount. Having I mean inventory where it really needs. Making sure that you don't have all the eggs in one basket. So you somehow split the inventory. You minimize the risk. You look at risk in a different way. Does it really help us to have a lot of inventory all on one ship that might get stuck in the Suez Canal for a few days? Or is it better to have a multiple? level of inventory somehow spread over the network Mm. so that this has been a trend Mm. i would add that the exceptional time we've been experiencing of very low interest rate Mm. made this somehow or was quite easy on us i mean we had experiencing less challenges on cash Mm. was because cash was quite cheap this is changing now we are in a interest rate increase timeline cash is becoming more expensive cash is becoming more relevant, still we need to balance the risk that we've all been experiencing. So I think there has been a development in terms of uh, practice, supply chain managerial uh, decision, et cetera, in how to better balance. Um, We probably went from one extreme before the pandemic to a total another extreme during the last two years. And now probably we are really somehow adjusting to what's going to be the new normal, a more cautious approach. Um, But really looking at in a different, I would say, light.
0: You mentioned Russia and Ukraine, right? We also yeah. we know that you have plants in this region plus China. This is a very complex yeah. situation. What steps have your company taken to ensure the resilience and flexibility of your supply chain in, in this uncertain and, and changing environment?
1: So we are. We are operating. I mean, of course, we are a Chinese multinational company, so we are operating in China. China is a critical, I would say, part of our global um, footprint. We produce a significant amount of product in China, and we export globally. We are also a player in in Russia. It's a big part of our business. Russia became a standalone operation. I mean, we are operating in in Russia. We somehow localize as much as possible everything that uh, is needed to operate from there. We had to take some, I would say, strong decision, quick decision about moving supplier, uh, launching new supplier in the local, I would say, marketplace to somehow detach from uh, the rest of the Western world. China, that's definitely probably the most interesting case. We operate in China in terms of uh, of supply. I mean, a vast majority of what we sell um, in Europe is produced in China and if it's not a finished product, a big chunk of the components that go in our product are produced in uh, in China. It's becoming more and more challenging to operate because of disruption, risk of disruption. I was mentioning container. Container has been part of our experience for about uh, two to three years. Right now, quite interesting, we got a wave of COVID. I mean, we got some waves in Europe with a harsh slowdown of economical operation, economical output in Europe, whereas China was really flourishing. So we had to keep this balance from growing. I mean, we could not stop completely our our supply. We had to be careful on how we balance inventory. And most recently, we got the opposite way around. I mean, Europe was really running, and there was a new wave of COVID. So that required definitely a couple of weeks of uh, extra work in uh, measuring what was happening in the different supplier in the different ports. Uh, to make sure that the flow of value was not stopping anywhere. And we could eventually prioritize the most urgent products in case of a slowdown or disruption. I think, to be honest, probably the learning that uh, people, organizations, companies had in the last few years really allow us to go through the December wave of uh, COVID almost with no disruption.
0: Very insightful. So now we talk we talk about planning, right? so demand planning is yeah. a topic for many companies, and yeah. obviously the pandemic has changed the consumer behavior and how 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 has it changed um what are the new demand your company are facing now? How do you handle it?
1: I have a very personal view on demand planning that I built in the last few years of experience. I somehow reached the conclusion that some of a very obvious conclusion i mean Forecasting is difficult and forecasting leads to error and mistakes. Everyone who does forecasting knows that, you know, there is this famous kind of saying to say, forecast is always wrong. But somehow I reached the level of thinking that it's probably more wrong than what we were expecting. How I like to operate nowadays is really to detach, So stop forecasting for the sake of everything. I mean, it does not add value. Uh, we will end up with error, we will end up with uh, wrong product, lack of product, um, producing too much of what is not needed. Use forecast where, for those specific areas of business where you know that you can forecast well and you know you can add the value. Just to give a, a clear example about what I mean with that, I'm operating more and more with the concept that I like to forecast to set capacity to take decision about midterm demand supply capacity inventory balance. I like to forecast to set my factories, how many shifts, how many people I need to work with. And what I learn is I will never be able to forecast what I really need to sell for a specific consumer uh, tomorrow. So I'm working today with a kind of a hybrid concept of demand planning based on forecasting in the long term and more somehow inventory supply agile kind of process in the short term so to decide what to produce based on inventory level rotation short-term consumption etc that also means we need to change a bit the way we the skills we have in our workforce we need to have people that are more focused on long-term or mid-term i would say economics figures so what do we expect to be the global demand what do we expect the consumer to do in the next three to four months? What do we expect inflation has an impact on our demand? Unless the skill set of really, you know, going at code by code level, contacting the cost, the customer, discussing about promotion, et cetera. That part is, I would say, a bit outdated. We really need to move this forecasting more, more up, more in this kind of macroeconomic view.
0: Mm. So what I hear is that plan longer term? But yeah. ready to change. <laughs> so yeah. that's the message yeah. I get from there. Yeah. Great. So how can we forget about sustainability? Right. So that's a topic yeah. that is coming right up again and again is so important. And how what is your observation? Right? How are mm-hmm. companies dealing with this pressure? It's increasing, right? The, the pressure of sustainability and ethical sourcing in this yeah. new normal.
1: Also, here, I did a lot of observation in the last couple of years about sustainability. I've been working companies that um, somehow were really the kind of forefront of sustainability, that were operating foundries and, and buying a significant amount of raw material and melting it with a huge energy consumption. Now, the first learning is sustainability, whether we like it or not, as leader, manager, it's becoming a day to day priority. Why? A few years ago, we could afford more energy consumption. We could afford more raw material consumption. It is changing. Energy is becoming more expensive. And that's not only because of short-term disruption that we faced. It's a long-standing trend. We are, more, we are experiencing more and more disruption that makes so that we need to be careful in how we manage or how we use resources, energy, raw material, et cetera, because there are disruptions. So we need to become more nimble in using them. So what does it mean for sustainability? It means that now sustainability is not just uh, somehow uh, another objective, another stretch that we have, another tick mark. It's really become very interlinked with our day-to-day decision. I experienced, to be honest, I did a quite a big project in terms of transportation sustainability, how we can reduce the CO2 emission of our transportation network. Um, and before starting to look at the data, I, I was sure it was, okay, it's just another tick mark. And then the more I enter in the data, the more I looked at what action we can put in place, where do we consume more or where we generate more emission, the more I learned that this goes really hand-to-hand with uh, cost optimization, time optimization, lead-time optimization. So the fact that the world is changing around us is making so sure that sustainability now is probably, or having a company more sustainable is an outcome of strong and good business practice. If you look at your cost, if you look at having a resilient supply chain, you will end up with having a more sustainable supply chain. You will end up with having less risk and more sustainable supply chain. You will end up with a company that is generating less CO2 and as a consequence is more sustainable. So I think it's a trend that will stay. Um, I think on top of the pure, I would say, economic benefit, it's something that, we need to take care of. We need to make sure that this world is livable for people after us for several decades and millennia, whatever it is. We have, a, I would say, even a moral obligation to make sure that we don't consume everything. We leave something for whomever will come after us.
0: It's a very good angle to look at it. I do have one last question on the people side. Uh, and yeah. our audience are very eager to know what are the challenges right, for hire and and your organization on a people topic? And what are the key qualities and skills you are looking for?
1: So I would say the challenge on people is not about hire only, it's in general about supply chain or in general hiring new talent. The challenge is finding new people. It's becoming more and more challenging. Why it's happening specifically in supply chain, probably in a stronger way than other professional areas, because a lot of companies have been investing in supply chain in the last couple of years. So the pool of people probably was already quite limited. It's not probably one of the first jobs that new, I would say, uh, graduates are thinking about when they finish university. So the pool itself was not big already. A lot of companies in the last two to three years entered the market and started to hire people, start to build new supply chain teams, capabilities, started to enlarge teams so we really had a run to talent so the challenge nowadays is finding people, retaining them when the pool is limited we are all running somehow to get the same talent. How we are looking at that? Well first of all we are looking more, we are leveraging as much as possible this concept of uh, you know smart working, remote working so we really enlarged a bit our pool of choice we are uh, trying to hire people no matter where they are sitting of course in respect with the time zone we are operating but even if they are far away from where is, let's say, our headquarter or our main center, we are interested anyhow. We are more and more trying to hire straight out of uh, graduate programs, university, master or bachelor, um, starting with an internship and growing them in our organization to make sure that from the very beginning, we somehow form people in the area of supply chain. Um, We are not any longer looking only at Professional with a couple of years of experience, but we are really trying to to go back. We are just, we are strengthening our relationship with uh, university. Mm-hmm. We are making sure that we develop strong relationship. Uh, we collaborate with university, and we start to hire whatever they need to do an internship or a project. We start to have people on board from the very beginning. So that's a bit the way that we are operating
0: to so really spot the talent from early year on. Yeah and train them, grow them, provide the the arena for them to for the, the, the career growth. That's one of the strategy. you yeah. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. Thank you very much, Federico, for your time. This has been great fun, very insightful. I'm sure our audience will f- find it very inspiring. Thanks a lot for your time.
1: Thanks a lot.
2: Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to go to alcottglobal.com and click the podcast button for all the show notes of the interview. Also, subscribe to our mailing list to get our latest update first. If you're listening to a streaming platform like iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, we would appreciate the kind review. Five star works best to keep us going and our production team happy. And of course, share it with your friends. I'm most active on LinkedIn so do feel free to follow me and if you have any suggestions on what to do and who to invite next don't hesitate to drop me a note and if you're looking to hire top executives in supply chain or transform your business of course contact us as well to find out how we can help thank you very much